From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. counted a privilege to welcome you to another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, presenting a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought taken from the pen of the great 19th century English preacher C.H. Spurgeon and found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Our devotional for today is entitled, To Others, an Example. The text is found in Philippians 4 and verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. It is well when a man can with advantage be so minutely copied as Paul might have been, Oh, for grace to imitate him this day and every day! Should we, through divine grace, carry into practice the Pauline teaching, we may claim the promise which is now open before us. And what a promise it is! God, who loves peace, makes peace, and breathes peace, will be with us. Peace be with you is a sweet benediction, but for the God of peace to be with us is far more. Thus we have the fountain as well as the streams, the sun as well as his beams. If the God of peace be with us, we shall enjoy the peace of God which passes all understanding, even though outward circumstances should threaten to disturb. If men quarrel, we shall be sure to be peacemakers if the maker of peace be with us. It is in the way of truth that real peace is found. If we quit the faith, or leave the path of righteousness under the notion of promoting peace, we shall be greatly mistaken. First pure, then peaceable, is the order of wisdom and of fact. Let us keep to Paul's line, and we shall have the God of peace with us, as he was with the Apostle. I'm glad I'm 
Every so often here on Let the Bible Speak, we've mentioned Q&A with Alan Cairns. These are video clips of Dr. Cairns giving biblical answers to a variety of questions. These include, why did Christ have to become a man? Why does a good God allow suffering? Or, what is the unpardonable sin? In all, Dr. Cairns responds to over 50 such concerns. All of these video clips are available on the ltbsradio.com website. In addition, we're happy to be able to provide you, free of charge, a DVD containing all of these video portions, about five hours of guidance from God's Word for problems which face the 21st century Christian. You may have a copy simply by requesting it. Just ask for the DVD, Q&A with Alan Cairns, you may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you wish, you may write us at Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Here's an excellent way to provide scriptural answers to family and friends regarding the challenging questions facing believers in this day. today's broadcast, Dr. Cairns will conclude this message called The Power of the Spirit, part of this ongoing series on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. The text is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where the Lord Jesus Christ told his disciples, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth." In explaining the meanings of the power of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Cairns has said that the essence of it is the operation of the Spirit to enable his servant, so as to use that servant in exalting Christ. In the course of the message, we've seen that God's work cannot be done by human methods, that the power of the Holy Spirit is essential. In addition, there is a constant need for a fresh endowment of the Spirit's power for each task— also, the evidence of the Spirit's power is that it is always for the purpose of doing God's work. In concluding the message, Dr. Cairns explains that the secret of obtaining the power of the Holy Spirit is to live constantly under the control of the Spirit. Now, Dr. Cairns concludes this message, The Power of the Spirit. We have an impossible task apart from the Spirit. We ourselves are weak and unprofitable. The psalmist way back in the 60th Psalm, had to confess, Vain is the help of man. But then he could say, Through God we shall do valiantly. 
for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. Nothing but the power of the Holy Ghost can do the job. Do you remember when the Lord Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration? Do you remember what happened? Down there in the valley, there was a man who had brought his son for healing. He was devil-possessed, and he was lunatic. He had a double disease, satanic and psychiatric. And he says in verse 16, I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Underline that. They could not. Now then, the Lord Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither unto me. Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Notice the difference. The disciples could not. Oh, they could claim authority. They were the disciples of Christ. They had in the past cast out devils. They had done many wonderful works. They had come back rejoicing that every devil they had met was subject unto them. And now they come and they're faced with this critical situation and they were trying it in their own power and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Reminds me of Samson. Samson had carried gates of a city on his back Samson had smitten the enemy in droves. Samson had been a holy terror to the devil's crowd. Samson had been unconquerable and unstoppable. And when his head was shaved, Delilah said, The Philistines be upon you. He arose and said he would shake himself just as at other times. And he wist not that the Spirit of God was gone from him. There he was in the arm of flesh. And he was absolutely useless. He needed the power of the Spirit of God. Now, my friend, any time the Church of Jesus Christ substitutes anything for the power of the Spirit of God, the only result can be failure. Now, you may get numbers. You may be able to organize a society, you may be able to drum up church membership. But remember those awful words of 1 Corinthians 3 are especially directed to ministers and to church builders. They have an effective application to every Christian, but particularly to how we build the church of Christ. The foundation is Christ. How do we build on it? Who are the converts? What are the people we bring into the church? Paul says they can be gold, silver, and precious stones. That kind of soul-winning work will last for eternity. But there is an addition to the church. There is a soul-winning church-building activity, which is merely wood and hay and stubble. I pity the people who are brought by preachers into a church and made to think that they're ready for heaven while all the time they are only wood and hay and stubble, fuel for the fire of the wrath of God. Oh, if we are to have our real church building ministry, we need the power 
of the Spirit of God. The exercise of this power, very quickly, what's it for? It's for service. You know what the first mention of being filled with the Spirit is? It's not in the Gospels. It's not in the book of Acts. It's not even in the New Testament. The first mention is way back in Exodus 31, verses 2 and 3, where a man called Bezalel was filled with the Spirit. What for? For the work of building the tabernacle. You've heard Dr. Paisley mention the law of the first mention. And uh, there's a lot of truth in that. When you have a, a string of references, the first one very frequently sets the tone for all that follows. And here is the first mention of the fullness of the Spirit of God. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? To be given divine enabling to build the tabernacle of the Lord. To be building up the work and worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this is the whole thrust right through the book of Acts and through the whole New Testament epistles. It's a very interesting thing in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's a wonderful statement. And what's the reason for it? That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. This is the fullness of power. It's for service. You'd think to hear some people talk that getting filled with the Spirit of God was to spend, send a spine tingling thrill up and down your being and that you might have an experience. I want you to listen to me very carefully here. You take your Bible, you go through that Bible, and you will find there is never once where a Spirit-filled man ever testifies that he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Never once. The Holy Spirit records that men were filled. But those who were themselves filled, they never testify, I got saved in such and such a date, and then I got filled in such and such a date. Now the Spirit of God Himself may say it about them, but the point is when men get filled with the Holy Ghost, it is not an experience that is an end in itself. It is an impartation of power for service. Not only that, but as you read the book of the Acts, you'll find that a fresh experience of that power is needful for every fresh situation and every new opportunity for service. We read in Acts 2 that they were filled with the Holy Ghost. But in Acts 4, verse 8, we read that Peter again was filled with the Holy Ghost. In Acts 4, 31, Again, we read that the very same church, the people who had been filled, were now again filled with the Holy Ghost. In uh, Acts 9.17, we read that Paul was filled with the Holy Ghost. And yet in Acts 13 and 9, when he stands before Elymas, the sorcerer, he is again filled with the Holy Ghost. You can never do the work of God in a past experience. For every new situation, there is need for a fresh endowment of power for service. 
What's the evidence of the Spirit's power? So many people say it's tongues. Or it's miracles. Well, it's not tongues. Christ was filled with, the, filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. He didn't speak with tongues. When Paul got filled, we're not told he talked with tongues either. When the people in Samaria got filled with the Holy Ghost, they didn't speak with tongues either. It is not tongues. Nor even is it a miracle of any other kind. The unchanging evidence of the fullness of the power of the Spirit of God is always power to do the work of God. Authority and ability to do God's work. We read in Luke 4, verse 14, the Lord Jesus was in the power of the Spirit. What did He start to do? Immediately to preach the Word of God. We read Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. We read in Acts chapter 4, when they were filled, then with great power they gave witness to the resurrection. This is the evidence of the fullness of the Spirit. Then the effects of this infilling, what will they be? First thing you'll get is confidence in the servants. There will be the conversion of sinners. There will be the confusion of the enemy. There will be the creation of well-grounded Christians and well-grounded churches. There will always, when the Spirit of God gives us power, be the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in it all, God will show His sovereignty and the extent to which He does each or all of these things. When we talk about God filling men with power, we can't dictate to God the number He's going to see saved. I hear charismatic preachers say how many thousands they're going to have saved next year. I saw this up in Canada. I've heard it here in the States. That next year, or through the rest of this year, we're going to have a half a million people saved. Well, it's powerful when you can tell God what you're going to do. You know, even in revival, they never could have done that. In the book of the Acts, they never could have done that. God added to the church daily such as should be saved. They that were ordained to eternal life believed. God is sovereign. But these will be the effects that follow. Now, the biggest question that people have to ask is, about the experience of this power, how to obtain it. Well, I think I've answered that in part. You live full of the Holy Ghost under His control. Let me give you a bit of advice. Do not desire the experience of being filled with the Spirit. Rather, desire a revelation of Christ. Desire that the Spirit will so reveal Christ to you, so overwhelm your heart with Christ, that you'll see Him in all His glory. Desire Christ because His love and His grace will fuel a fire within you to make Him known. The more you know of Christ yourself, the more you'll want to make Him known to others. And the sight of Christ will give you boldness. And in Acts 4, it's interesting, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, they didn't pray, Lord, fill us with the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. But that's not what they prayed. They prayed, Lord, give us boldness to make known this Savior whom we love. And God answered that by filling them with the Holy Spirit. Consciously seek God's will. Consciously plead God's promise 
If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost to them that ask Him? Constantly aim at the Lord's glory. Be always in prayer. Not just for an experience, for the sake of an experience, but for a powerful outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Let me add one thing there. I've been much impressed in the Great Awakening time in Scotland, in England, and here in North America, in the middle and 18th century, early and mid-18th century, there's an interesting phenomenon. In Scotland, there was revival. Cambus Lang, for instance, a little parish uh, not far from Glasgow, there was a tremendous outpouring of the Spirit of God. In England, Wesley and Whitfield were seeing massive movements of the Holy Spirit of God. And here in North America, 1735, Jonathan Edwards had seen revival in Northampton. Then uh, the Tennant brothers, and Aaron Burr, people like this in uh, the middle colonies, were seeing revival. But you know the interesting thing is this. Not only did they pray for their own work, but there was a great chain of prayer stretching through Scotland, through England, and North America, where they would call fast days, I think the first Tuesday of every month. And the ministers would have special times alone with God, not just to pray for their ministry, but to pray for a large outpouring of the Spirit of God in all these places where men were preaching Christ, they had a big vision. They were praying constantly. And God filled them with His Spirit. I close with the idea of the expectation of the fullness of the Spirit. Can we expect to be filled with the Holy Ghost today? Well, I think the Bible answers that very, very easily. Has it spoken of the withdrawal of the Holy Ghost or the promise? I have never read that. Just let me say in passing, there is not a verse in the Bible that ever speaks of the Spirit of God being taken away. In Second Thessalonians 2, where some people imagine there is an, a verse that speaks of the Holy Ghost being taken away, first it's a mistranslation, or at least a misunderstanding of what the translators in, uh, intended. It is certainly no reference to the Holy Ghost being taken away. Second Acts chapter 2 quotes the book of Joel. This is that which was spoken by Joel the prophet. The prophecy of Joel is to be filled right before the Lord Jesus Christ comes the second time. I turn to the book of the Revelation. I find in chapter 7 they're talking about the great tribulation period. And what happens? A multitude gets saved from all over the world in the midst of the great tribulation. I read again in Revelation chapter 11 in that same period that there are two witnesses who are filled with such power that they put confusion into the ranks of Antichrist. Well, I've got to say, if God is going to do that in the time of the Great Tribulation, then there's no time on earth that God can't work for the blessing of His people and the saving of souls. The promise is for today. You can't prescribe to God what He's going to do to what extent he's going to work. 
but you can be filled with the Spirit of God for the service that God has for you. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We are here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. If you would like to receive our booklet, Separated Unto the Gospel, a booklet that sets forth the beliefs and standards of the Free Presbyterian Church, you may have a copy free of charge, simply for the asking. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 